What is up, Fathom fam? Thank you for listening and supporting the Fathom Church podcast. Remember, you can always connect with us at fathomchurchjacks.com and on all your social media platforms as well as on YouTube. We just want to let you know about a new weekly podcast that is now available to you called Fathom Beyond Sunday. Very different from our normal sermon podcast, really just um, some casual, engaging conversation on faith, life, and following Jesus between Monday and Saturday, not just on Sunday. Awesome. So good to uh, be with you here in the house. Good to see everybody. How you, can you see me? They're hitting lights now. Good to see you guys. Everybody, how you doing? Let's say, let's say what's up to everybody watching online. Come on, let's show some love to our Fathom fam online. Come on, you can do better than that. Amen. It's a crazy season. We don't all get to be in the room at the same time, but I'm thankful we can be together here in person and online. I know what some of y'all are thinking. What is that ridiculous shirt he's wearing today? Don't hassle me, though. I'm local, you know. Uh, no, this past summer, we were uh, in, in Maine on vacation, and, and uh, we, we started watching a movie, an old movie called What About Bob? Some of you guys have seen What About Bob? And, um, and for those of you that don't know, um, uh, it's with uh, Bill Murray, and he's uh, Bob Wiley. And so uh, Elisha's smiling because they, they love Bob Wiley. He's just a fun, he's a funny guy. Bob's got all kinds of issues. He, we're starting a new series today called I'm Not Okay, and I just thought this is appropriate because Bob's... Bob's not okay, but he, he wakes up every day. The movie opens, the cold open for the movie. It's him laying in bed and, and, and chanting to himself his mantra, I feel good, I feel great, I feel wonderful. Go ahead, try it with me. I feel good, I feel great, I feel wonderful. So, so he's saying that to himself, trying to convince himself that he's going to be okay. And he, uh, he goes and he says good morning to his goldfish. And then he walks down the street to go see his psychiatrist. And he gets to his psychiatrist. And as he's walking down the road, I feel good. I feel great. I feel wonderful. He's just trying to talk him in to himself into having a good day. Anybody like been trying that technique? Maybe you've just been trying to eat like a bag of Oreos, a different technique to feel better, to feel great, to feel uh, wonderful. He gets to a psychiatrist. His psychiatrist is moving on and like passes him off to uh, Richard Dreyfuss's character, who is Dr. Leo Marvin, a, a, a renowned psychiatrist who's kind of hit the peak of his career. And now his, he's got a new book that's going to be on the Today Show. And he's super excited the peak of his, his career, and he, he, he uh, is getting ready to go on vacation, and he meets with, he said, I'll, be, I'll meet with Bob one time before I go on vacation, but I'm leaving for a month, and I'm not going to be bothered while I'm on vacation. Well, in the first meeting, um, uh, uh, Richard Drives' character, Dr. Marvin, comes to him, and he's like, hey, um, so here's, here's what you need to do. Here's my book. What you need to do to fix your problems in your life is just to do it with baby steps, just, just baby steps. And so we were on vacation at the pool, and, uh, and Elisha says, baby steps to the pool, baby steps. And she's taking baby steps. Maybe if I just do little things at a time, one thing, little, little baby step at a time, I'll get better, and I'll get better. And, uh, and he doesn't get better. But Dr. Marvin goes on vacation, and, and, and Bill Murray's character chases him down to Lake Winnipesaukee. He, like, he, he tracks him down, and he gets there, and he's so excited when he finds him. He's just hunted him down like he's... Uh, in the FBI or something, he finds him, and he, he's so excited, he runs up to him, and he's like, I'm doing it, I'm working the program, I'm doing baby steps, he's like, but I'm not okay, and he just breaks down and loses it, and he's like, Bob, I'm on vacation, I am not going to meet with you on vacation, you, I, you shouldn't have come here uh, to my vacation, you need, you need to leave, and uh, eventually, Bob just is just falling to pieces in public, and he's like, okay, okay, I'll meet with you one time, but, but then you got to go home. You got to get your bus ticket and you got to go home. Well, uh, he, he, he meets with him a couple hours later and he says, okay, Bob, here's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write you a prescription. 
I'm going to write you a prescription for all your problems. You guys probably need to hear this too. He says, here's what you need to do. Here's your prescription. You need to take a vacation from your problems. <laughs> that, that, was, that was his prescription. You need to take a vacation from your problems. Well, Bob leaves for about an hour, and he comes back wearing this T-shirt. <laughs> He's like, it's like a vacation T-shirt. He comes back wearing this. And so I, I don't know how you've been trying to solve your problems. I don't know how you've had to work through the seasons in which you're not okay. If it's baby steps or if you've tried taking a vacation from your problems. But, uh, but what I do know is for every single one of us, we're going to hit moments in our life young and old, in which, if we're really honest, we're not okay. Like, we fake it to everybody else, but we're angry, we're hurting, we're suffering, we're lonely, we're depressed, and you fill in the blank there of how you're not okay. Every single one of us at some point in our life will hit that point, and I don't know if, like, for many in this culture and many in 2020, we're there right now. 2020 has gotten the best of us. We're in the worst emotional state uh, that we've ever been. What's, what's funny about the, the movie, the arc of the movie, is as Bob gets healthier and he endears himself to Dr. Marvin's family while he's on vacation, as he gets healthier, Dr. Marvin's mental health is falling to pieces. Like, he can't stand this guy, and he's losing his mind all while Bob, the crazy guy, is getting, is getting better. And, 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 and I don't know where you find yourself today, if you're okay or maybe you're working through, but I believe that God wants to speak something to us today and through this series, these next four weeks, about how to, how to come to Jesus when we're not okay, how to interact with our church family when we're not okay, how to find healing when we're not okay. And so today, I want to go to Mark chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 40 through 45, Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45, uh, and we're going to read about the story of this leper. Um, uh, Mark is an interesting gospel because in the gospel of Mark, um, it's different from the other gospels in that he doesn't include like the genealogy, he doesn't include the birth of Jesus, he just kind of skips right into Jesus doing miracles. And the first eight to nine chapters of Mark are just the miraculous healings of Jesus and ministry of Jesus. <clears throat> But he, has, he spends more time than any other gospel writer. Uh, chapters 9 through 16 are on the passion, the suffering of Jesus. They're, they're, they're all focused around the things that Jesus went through for us. He gives more time to, to anything to that. So there's this long stretch of how people have suffered and Jesus has healed them, met them in their pain. And then uh, he spends the rest of it talking about how Jesus suffered and felt all that for us. So let's read uh, Mark chapter 1, dive into this story about the leper being healed. Now a leper came to him. Not a leopard, kids. Not a leopard. Not the one with the spots. Not those different. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying, uh, if you are willing, you can make me clean or you can uh, make, me, yeah, make me whole. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand, and he touched him. And he said to him, I'm willing be cleansed. And as soon as he had spoken, remember that, as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed and he strictly warned him and sent him away at once. And, and he said to him, see to it, uh, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go on your way, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter uh, and so that Jesus could no longer um, openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. I'm so thankful for this word 
um, because uh, Mark wants to get right into it with us, right into it that because no one had ever been healed of leprosy, because there's actually a modern-day leprosy. I don't know if you know this. There's a modern-day leprosy, and there's an ancient leprosy. Modern-day leprosy, there is a cure for. There's still, like, millions of cases in places like India throughout the world. I think two-thirds of the cases are in India every year. But it's different. It's actually called by somebody's name who came up with a cure for it. Uh, but it's very different from ancient leprosy. Ancient leprosy would begin like this. Kids, you're going to be grossed out. Any kids, like, like gross stuff? Come on, just be real with me. Yeah, there you go. Right? Adults like, like the gross stuff, right? All right, just the kids. Um, so it would start with red spots that would show up on your body. Some of y'all are going to start getting paranoid if you have a red spot show up. <laughs> like, wait a second, I hope it's not leprosy. Ancient leprosy is gone. Like, we, ha- we haven't had any cases of that for a long, long time. Well, um, it would start with red spots, and they would begin to cover your entire body, and then they would turn uh, white, and they would begin to get scaly and also shiny, like an, like an alligator skin that like, gets shiny or something, some kind of animal, like a reptile. And then your skin would begin to, to flake off. Your nervous system would begin to shut down. Your hair would come loose. You would lose all your hair. Your, your teeth would begin to come loose, and you'd just be gumming around. And, and then uh, in its worst cases, in its last of your cases, the, the appendage your, hand, your, your fingers and your toes would actually not only cripple up, but could fall off at times. Your nose and your eyes could fall out. Does that sound like anything we hear about in popular culture? You sound like a zombie. You, you would probably look like a zombie that you've seen. They were, not only was the physical suffering of leprosy so brutal, brutally painful, but socially to be a leper was equally as painful they were isolated from society. They were considered the dead among the living. They were, they were zombies. They were the living dead. Can you imagine that walking through uh, the square and there's just like a zombie over there just sitting in the corner, just like over there. And what they would have to yell, a leper would have to yell, they'd have to yell, unclean, unclean, so that everybody knew, stay away, stay away. If you don't want what I've got, stay away. They would battle with this considered ancient zombies walking around, and they would struggle. And really, we see leprosy take place throughout the Old Testament, and really what we believe is that God used leprosy as really to point us to the depravity of our sin, that it was almost a parallel to our sin, that what sin does in our life is it begins to rot out every part of us, and we become the dead, we become the living dead. And that we, we so desperately need a rescue. And so there's that layer of that. But as we begin to look into this story, we see that this man, he's in a place where the pain has got to him. It's a place where he just can't go on anymore. Who knows how far along in his, I'd like to think he was two-thirds of the way through his disease. He had hit a point where he's like, I can't take this anymore. You know, we're pretty resilient as humans. We put up with a lot of pain. But it's not the, 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 the pain that hurts us, it's the prolonged pain that goes on. And we, we think there's a horizon, but then it doesn't change. We think things are going to get worked out through counseling, and they don't. We think the medicine's going to help, and then it, it does, it's the prolonged pain. And finally, we hit a place of desperation. That's where this man was. He came to Jesus, and he just falls down at his feet. And I just want to tell you, if you find yourself today in the place that I'm not okay, we need a posture of desperation. How, how not okay are you? How, how much do you want to be whole? And so he comes to Jesus because he had heard. He had heard that Jesus had healed a lot of people. So far, we've, we've seen a few healings take place, that, not specifically like this one in, in the Gospel of, 
of Mark, but, but he apparently knew that this Jesus, he could heal people, but he didn't know if he could heal leprosy, right? But he believed. He came to him, and as he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. So it's not a question of, of whether he's able. It's whether, uh, a matter of whether he's, he's willing. Pain, pain is a difficult thing to understand in our faith. It's, it's a difficult thing to understand um, as we go through it, why, why God allows pain on um, certain ones that are so much more expounded than others. There, there are some things within that that we won't have answers to, but I can tell you uh, one of the purposes that God uses in pain is, is to get to us to a place that, that Taryn was just talking about, to get us to a place of complete surrender. God doesn't he allows it to take place. He's sovereign over it. He's not wanting you to be whole or wanting you to be broken and suffering with it. It's a part of the fallen world that we live in. And so we shouldn't be shocked when we see pain. We shouldn't. Like we live in a fallen world. Pain is going to take place. But what I want us to hear is that he wants to get us to his place of complete surrender because more than our bodies being saved, our bodies getting out of the pain, more than that, God more desperately desires that our soul would be saved our spirit would be saved, that we would know life eternally. And that's only going to happen. The only way that we're ever going to find real peace and real hope is to live with real surrender. That's it. And, and, and I know some of us, as this man, he obviously believes that Jesus is able, or he wouldn't break through all the cultural norms to come to Jesus. He believes that he's able. He's just not sure if he's willing. And for some in the room and watching online who say, I'm not okay, we need to ask ourselves these two questions. Do we believe he is able? And do we believe that he is willing? And I, I know some, if you're in that place, you're like, I just, I don't think he's able. I don't think he can. I would invite you to do two things very quickly. I'd invite you, one, to read all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and just maybe highlight, maybe underline the, the miracles that Jesus did, and just maybe say, oh, right there, he restored uh, someone's physical body. Right there, he restored, uh, restored someone's emotional life. They were crazy in society, and, and, and God restored them back to wholeness of mind. God, that person was ostracized, and God brought them into family and community of God. And so read through the, the, the Gospels. I think that's a good place to start, to see that he is willing but then secondly, or that he's able, and then secondly, I would ask you, invite you to ask some other believers. A ask some Christian brothers and sisters, hey, can you tell me about a time in which God healed you, maybe mentally, maybe spiritually, maybe physically? I, I love a story I heard earlier this year from uh, one of the ladies within our church. I didn't get her permission, so I'm not going to use her name, but, but she had um, she had, had skin cancer before, and she had... Um, another uh, showing of that. So she knew what it looked like. She knew how it began, what that looked like on her skin. Well, she just threw a bandage on it, um, uh, went and saw a doctor and had to get referred to a specialist to, to do the biopsy and everything. And, and they went in um, after she left her regular doctor, just threw a bandage on it just to keep it from getting infected or anything. And then um, she's just been praying to her, God, heal this. I don't want to go through the surgery. I don't want to have to go through this stuff. I'm, I'm dreading it. Um, well, she shows up uh, with, with just the bandage over it, shows up, had, had skin cancer before, knew what it looks like and uh, what the symptoms are, are there, and she pulls it off in front of the doctor, and it's completely gone. Like, like within like 24, 40 hours, it was just incredible. Miracles. Find somebody and ask them and watch your faith rise through the testimony of other believers. But that, that's really not where this guy is. He believes he's able. He just doesn't know if he's willing and that's where so many of us are today. I believe, I believe God's able, but 
I just don't know if anything's going to change. I don't know if he's going to really do this. I don't know if anything's going to turn around in my life. And, and this is a, a huge thing where we really begin to dig under the surface um, to why Christianity is unique among world religions. Um, there's many reasons, but um, there's two that I'll highlight today. One is the incar- what we call the incarnation, that God has come and made his dwelling among us, John 1.14 says. That's, that's unique. That doesn't happen in Hinduism or Sikhism or pantheism or any other ism that God came and made his dwelling among us, the incarnation. So that's unique. But secondly, that is just as equally as unique, is that God feels pain. You don't know, find this in other world religions, that God feels pain. And, 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 and here we wonder that why, G, why Jesus is willing and why he has compassion on someone else's pain. Because Jesus had seen a lot of pain in his 32 years or 33 years up to this point, 31 years, whatever you believe it is, up to this point, he had seen a lot of pain. Even in his quick ministry journey, the weariness had not hardened him to this man's pain. And I think a lot of us, like we've got a, a hardening uh, of our calluses in which we no longer feel compassion for others, which we need to talk about that some. But I want to lean into why Jesus felt, and what Jesus felt in, in particular. This is always so encouraging to me. For those today who say, I'm not okay, I lost fill in the blank. There's been a lot of loss this year, and you're mourning. I want to remind you of John 11:35 that says, Jesus wept. And Jesus mourned over his dear friend Lazarus. Uh, I want to remind you today, if someone's going through a, a trying time and feels temptation to give in uh, to old addictions or old ways or old mindsets, you feel, I want to remind you that Jesus was tempted in the desert for 40 days. For those right now who this year you've spent all you had, you don't have any more, and it's just been a cycle of poverty in your life, I want to remind you that foxes have holes and birds of the air have uh, nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head is what Jesus said, that he was homeless. He was just wandering to find a place. He knows what it is to be in poverty. Anybody find yourself frustrated this year? Frustrated at work? <laughs> just let that simmer. Just frustrated by the change that's going on, frustrated by politics or decisions that are taking place. Remember the time where Jesus is turning over the tables of money changers in John 2, where he's frustrated, he's over it. Anybody find yourself weary this morning? Any moms, any hardworking men who find themselves, I'm just tired, I'm just tired. I just need a vacation from my problems. (laughs) Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the way. He was tired, he felt physical thing. You see, Jesus, What Jesus felt, what God has uh, feeling for us, it's not in theory, but it's in practice. God came to the earth and made his dwell to feel everything. What about disappointment? Anybody been disappointed? Your vacation got canceled. Things haven't looked like you wanted them to. They haven't turned around. Look at what Jesus said, Luke 12. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I have longed to gather you, but you weren't willing. Jesus just disappointed. I've done my best to gather you, but you're not willing. Anybody ever been rejected? From this time on, many of his disciples turned their back and no longer followed him. John 6, verse 66. Well, that doesn't seem like a coincidence. (laughs) Jesus felt the rejection of man. When things got hard, Jesus' church kind of shrunk. From this time on, many of his disciples turned. He felt that rejection. He felt that personal pain of somebody stabbing him in the back or turning their back on him. He felt that. 
What about sorrow? Anybody just been sorrowful? Jesus hanging on the cross says, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. I know there's some watching online. Maybe there's some in the room who you're like that close. You're done. Like you are overwhelmed to the point of death. You can't take it anymore. I want you to know that Jesus has felt that. He hung on the cross and felt every bit of weight of sorrow that I can't take this anymore. What about ridicule? Anybody ever been there? Again and again, they struck him and spit on him, falling on their knees. They paid mocking homage to him. Anybody joking with you at, at work about what you believe with the Bible? Come on, you kid. And they mock you for it. Jesus felt that. What about loneliness? Anybody struggle with that in this season? He said, remember what Jesus said. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Jesus hanging just feels like, God, have you left me in this moment? He felt it all. And why do I bring all this up? Just to remind you that we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but was tempted in every way just as we are. Yet he didn't sin. That's that's who our God is. Why does he have compassion on the one that's in front of him? Because he's been there. He's felt it. Even before in his ministry where he hasn't felt many of these things, he, he feels compassion. He's not hardened by it. And I know some of us in this room, we, we would say we've got calluses. Another injustice, another death on the news, just it doesn't move us like it used to. These calluses weren't built overnight and they're not going to be removed overnight. But I, I want to remind you this, that you can't be who God's called you to be if you are unwilling to feel pain for hurting people can't. God, God needs us to be able to empathize and feel the pain of others. And maybe this season you're walking right now, or you walked through last year in 2019, or you went through in 2010. It's so that you can be a light to someone else. It's so that you can be an encouragement. But maybe some of us were calloused up and, and, and we don't. And so this man comes to Jesus, and it's very important to notice the order in which Jesus heals him, because at first I was like, oh, he just touches him, and then he heals him. It's, it's through the touch, but that's not, it's not how the scripture reads. It reads that he touched him, and when he spoke, he touched him first, and then when he spoke, the man was healed. This is really important to think about and wrestle with for just a minute. He touched him first. Because I think for many of us today, uh, we're in this place and we don't know if God's willing and, and, and we're struggling and we're dealing with our own pain and frankly, we've got, we feel like we've got more baggage than Delta has. <laughs> and, and we're just like, we're just too much. We're, not for my past. I can't be around church people. I don't want to infect anybody with, with, with my depression. I don't want to infect anybody with, with what I've got going on. And I want you to get a picture of what Jesus does. He touches him first before he heals him. Jesus is not afraid of your baggage. He, he, he's not scared off by the grotesqueness of your marriage or of your addiction. He, he's not scared off. If he's not scared off by, uh, by this leper who's like a zombie standing before him and he's willing to touch them, you think he's scared off by your stuff? He's not. But he touches them. And see... A lot of times we, we wait on the touch, but it, it's, it's just the speak of his word. That, that's all it took. That's the power of Jesus. That all he has to do is say the word. And this man finds out that Jesus is not only able, he's willing. 
He's willing to heal him. He's will- and, and notice that the word that's used there is not actually healing, but it's actually the word cleansed, because then it denotes not only physical, but something spiritual took place. Because again, leprosy has this long history that it's connected to our sin, and, and Jesus says, you've been cleansed. You've been cleansed. But that's not the end of the story. Jesus gives him two very clear instructions after healing him. Do you remember what he said? He said, don't tell anybody. That's, a, that's one of those weird ones. It's a theme in the Gospel of Mark known as the messianic secret. It's a theme. Jesus is constantly telling people, don't tell anybody, which is like counterintuitive to what we think we're supposed to be doing. And Jesus is walking around saying, don't, like, let's keep this between us. He tells this guy here, the first example we have of the messianic secret. He tells him this, and, and it kind of, his excitement, his passion gets the best of him. And, you know, you know most of the examples, people don't listen to what Jesus says. Because it, 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 they're just kind of up in their, their emotions and their feelings about it, and they don't obey. But there's a, a, an important note about obedience here that we need to, to grab a hold of in our life that I think some of us don't. Because he doesn't understand this. You see, actually, there, there would be a process um, uh, that he's going to go through that I, I want to talk about in just a second. But, but his, his disobedience here ends up hindering the work of Jesus' ministry. His, disobe- his disobedience ends up hindering the work of Jesus' ministry. A leper who's been a zombie. God wanted to use him in a significant way, but he thought it needed to be in a certain way, a different way. He let his emotions, his excitement, even something good, get the best of him and actually hinders Jesus' ministry. And most of the time we operate on, uh, out of obedience on the things we understand oh, this makes sense, so then I will obey. But that's not the life we've been called into. right? I, I'm going to pursue wisdom. I'm going to pursue knowledge. I want to know as well as you do, but we've been called into a faith journey and to trust God. And that obedience requires that, hey, I'm going to obey even when I don't understand. And I just want to tell you today that you think your disobedience doesn't make an impact no, no, no. Your disobedience is hindering the work of God's ministry because you are valuable in his kingdom. You can be used in his kingdom. And when you think you can do it on your own, it's actually holding back what God could do through you and in the world. So uh, that's one thing. The second thing he tells them to do is to go show himself to the priests, to go through and do everything that Moses commanded to do, like go through the process. I think there's a couple things in here that I think are important, and the band can go ahead and come and and prepare, and I'm going to close. But there's two things I, I want you to see about this, because remember, there is no cure for leprosy. This is the first leper that's ever been healed. So with every single like disease and sickness for each one of them, there was a unique process, a unique group of rituals that would go through for the cleansing so that they could show themselves to the community and reenter society. Like that's, that's what would take place. And so these guys roll, uh, or this leper rolls up to the priest and he's like, hey man, so uh, you remember me? Yeah, yeah, I'm that guy. Um, he's, they're like, yeah, uh, you look like you got a few more teeth than you had last time I saw you. <laughs> Looks like your skin's looking better, man. Looking good. What kind of face cleanser are you using? Like, that's very nice. And they're just looking at him like, what's, what's going on? And they're like, hey, have you ever, you haven't, like, ever done the rituals for somebody who has leprosy, right? No, you haven't either. Huh. 
Give us a second, bud. We, we need to go look this up. And so I, I'm just kind of imagining this out. Just, just forgive me. Everyone. They go and they're just like figuring out what's the rituals for leper. We've never done this before. It turns out it's a combination of oils. My wife said, amen. It's a combination of scarlet oil and hyssop and, and cedar wood, also good for snoring husbands. I've been anointed with that a couple times. And they would they'd figure this out. They'd say, why are you bringing this up? Like, who cares about that? Well, there's a couple things that I, I believe God was speaking to me about this. And this, go show you to tell us to the priest. One is to honor the process. He wanted him to go through the process. God just began to speak to me about your healing, about your wholeness, about my healing, about the cleansing that God wants to do in my life. It's different than anybody else's. There's a unique process for your discipleship, for your healing, for the things you've walked through in your family, in your life. There's a unique process, right? There's a process for all of us, but then there's a unique one for you. And we got to honor that process of discipleship. How do we honor that process? Through obedience. When it doesn't make sense to us, we honor that process when we obey when it doesn't make sense. And the second thing that I want to highlight here of why Jesus sent him to these priests. He said, go be a living testimony, man. Go and show these guys that, hey, that which was not possible to be cured of an incurable disease is possible because the Messiah is among us. Healing is possible not because of anything any man can do, but what Jesus Christ can do for us. And he wanted him to begin to just walk around and be a living testimony to these priests and let it spread from there. He tried to take it into his own hands. Obedience is so, so important. I want you to hear me online and in the room. Obedience is so important when it comes to your healing, to your cleansing, to your wholeness. You've got to honor the process. I don't think you can bypass the process. I've told this story many times. I'm going to tell it again for somebody today, online or in the room. I remember um, sitting kind of back right here when I was a kid. I've had um, a, a genetic uh, I have disease in, in my leg. It's a, it's a growth plate disorder, and I was having severe pains with it. It's very hard, like in adolescence. And um, I remember, it's been just a story of my life dealing with it, but I remember sitting back right where you were, David, and knew that God, we were in an altar call, and I knew that God was calling me to the front to come and be healed. I, I knew it was a moment. I was desperate. I was in that kind of pain, but apparently I wasn't desperate enough. And, and so I, I, I just didn't. The pastor kept saying, hey, here's an opportunity to come. Come to the come table, be healed. And I never did. I never did. I was never healed of that. But I knew in that moment, if I would have obeyed him, if I would have gotten desperate enough and just said yes and walked in obedience, then I would have been made whole in that moment. I can tell you another story in which God actually did heal me, but, but with, with, with my knee throughout my life, it still happens in, my, in adulthood. I said, God, don't take it away from me. I'd rather deal with the pain than not remember what my disobedience cost me. I'd rather deal with the pain the rest of my life than, than forget what disobedience cost me. Now it's just a reminder. It's just an altar for me. Every time I get down to kneel, it reminds me because it hurts. I can't, I can't lean on this knee, but I do. And I remember, oh yeah, your disobedience cost you healing. 
I don't know where you're at today. But I know God's bringing us into a life of obedience. And I know there's some people watching online in the room that you're not okay. Like, you're not okay. Some of you right now, your marriage isn't okay. There's, there's some things going on in, in your home or in your job in which it's not okay. Maybe you're doing good today. Maybe you're doing good. But right now, they're going to lead us in a song. And I just want to invite you to make an altar. Maybe at your seat. Maybe down here. Maybe right there on your living room couch. And just make an altar and say, God, help me to be desperate today. Because I, I know how it goes. Like, you say, I'm not a leper. I'm not a leper. I'm not yelling unclean, unclean. No, no, we're a bunch of Americans that are prideful, and we like to tell everybody, no, no, I'm good. I'm fine. Fine. I've told you all that acronym. It means feelings inside not expressed. That's what fine means. I'm good. I feel good. I feel great. I feel wonderful. We're convincing ourselves. The more I say it, I'll be good. And we're not okay. We're hurting. But I believe that God's bringing the body of Christ to a place of faith, to believe not only is he able, but he's willing. I, I believe he wants to bring the body of Christ into a place where we have compassion. We know the compassion that God has for us, and therefore we freely offer that to others. And I, I believe he wants to bring us into a, a, a place today in which we, we radically obey. Even when it doesn't make sense to us, we obey. We honor the process, and we live as living testimonies. God, right now, all across this room I, and, and online, God, I don't know what people are going through, driving down the road or just bowing their head in this room right now. I don't know who's at their breaking point, God. I don't know what things you've put in their heart to step into obedience on. But I know, God, that for every single one of us, we hit a point in our life where we're not okay. And I just want to pray right now for those that, that just say, I'm not okay. <laughs> Not okay, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick of our family. I'm sick of our home being like this. I'm sick of this work environment I'm in, God, and I just, I need a breakthrough. I just want to pray for faith to rise up in your spirit today to know that he is willing and able to touch you today. He's not afraid of what you're going through. He's not afraid of what you've come through. But he's got a plan, and we just got got to find a posture of desperation with Jesus today. God, I pray right now for those today who, who say, I got somebody in my life that they're not okay, but they don't know they're not okay. Or someone who's, th- 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 all their baggage is on, is on this person, God. I pray right now, God, that you would just give them compassion, God. Give them a tender heart. Help us not to be a calloused people with hardened hearts because of all the, the pain we see in the world. Help us to be obedient and useful in your kingdom. And right now, God, would you raise us up to be people who walk in obedience? Not just when it makes sense to us. Not just when it's comfortable, it's socially acceptable. But God, when you tell us we walk in that obedience, would you help us? Let faith rise up. Let compassion be stirred up. And God, may obedience be lived out. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Find an altar at your seat. Find an altar down here.